0: Welcome to This Week in Video Games, episode 58. My name's Tom Kershaw, and this is a podcast all about the world of video games. So this week, I've been playing Mortal Shell, a new Souls-like from developer Cold Symmetry. It's also Gamescom 2020 this weekend, and I had the chance to sit down with Dagmar from developer Like Charlie to talk about that upcoming game, Ghost on the Shore, and I'll be bringing you that interview plus first impressions of the game later on. So it's a busy show. Let's get to it. Welcome to the show everyone, I hope you're well and you're having a good week. I'm good this week and it's Gamescom 2020 at the moment and we had the opening night live with Jeff Keighley the other night and it was a good showcase of some games in development for the upcoming PS5 and the Xbox Series X. It seems like the big companies are still playing chicken with their prices as we don't yet have a date or a price for each of the consoles. The rumours are November the 9th is going to be the week where we get the new consoles and Sony have unveiled their website for customers to register their interest in pre-ordering. And I think this is the first time Sony is going to be directly selling to consumers, although I imagine they're going to be turning up on store shelves and digital shelves as well. Both Sony and Microsoft seem to be playing chicken with each other on the price, so it sounds to me like it's going to be quite an expensive winter when it comes to games. Yeah, someone's got to break that bad news first, and I think they're just waiting for each other. I'm pretty sold on the PlayStation 5 at the moment. I'm quite happy to play Xbox titles on my Xbox Game Pass on PC, and then the PlayStation exclusives on the new PS5. I'll be sure to let you know as soon and if I get one. The showcase for Gamescom 2020 was pretty good. There were a few games that I hadn't seen before and some reminders of existing games. So 12 Minutes, first showed at last year's E3 during the Xbox showcase, looked absolutely fantastic and has an A-list celebrity cast. Teardown also looked great too, as well as the deep dive into Ratchet & Clank. Personally, I was really excited about the Destiny 2 stasis reveal, of course, and looking forward to that one coming out on November the 10th. We did have some Star Wars news as well, with squadrons being showed off as well as the Lego Skywalker saga, which looked really, really funny. We've also got a crossover that I don't think anyone asked for with The Sims and Star Wars which seemed really really strange to me but I'm not really the target audience for that I don't think. I'm a bit full of Star Wars these days to be honest after the last trilogy and I think the best thing to come from the Star Wars universe in the past few years has been Jedi Fallen Order from EA and Respawn although Lego Star Wars is always a good time. Well Gamescom opening night was fun but next up let's get into what I've been playing this week. Well this week I've been playing Mortal Shell which is a gorgeous looking but punishing Souls-like game and I'll get into my first impressions of that in a little bit. I've also jumped back into some Battle Royale games this week with Fortnite and Call of Duty Warzone. So Call of Duty had their Black Ops Cold War reveal in the game this week with a live event. It was similar to the Fortnite style live events although perhaps not on such a grand scale. It's interesting to check out all of these companies now doing their trailers and in-game events. And in this event, you had to log into Warzone and then pick up a temporary playlist, dive into it, and then solve a few mystery steps, locating keys and picking up a mystery weapon. Codes were then read out and you were led to the stadium, which was mixed in with gameplay and cutscenes. It ultimately led to the trailer reveal. The trailer itself was pretty cool plus it starred a digital Ronald Reagan which looked really really weird to be honest. I'm not a massive Call of Duty player but I do dip into Warzone every now and again for sure but this event was really really good and it pains me to say that this live event was better than the one we had in Destiny at the end of last season but probably not as good as something Epic would put together in Fortnite. However it's great to see these companies putting these live events on in-game and pushing things forward and experimenting so hopefully we see more of that in the future I've also been playing Fortnite a fair amount this week as Chapter 2 Season 4 kicked off with the Marvel season and there's character skins available like Iron Man Thor Doctor Doom And the battle pass is full of marvel items too so i hadn't played fortnite in ages but i wanted to check it out as i'm a huge marvel fan it does seem a little weird that they're doing this now with marvel's avengers set to be released this coming week on the 4th of september fortnite is basically an avengers game now so if you like that sort of thing then jump in i hadn't played for a while but i'm really enjoying it i'll probably keep playing until destiny comes out in november well that's it for what i've been playing this week and let's get into my first impressions of mortal shell Mortal Shell is a Souls-like game where you take the form of a white, frail being forced to inhabit the shells of fallen champions. The world is dark, moody and full of danger and interesting lore and it will send a shiver or two down your spine. In this action RPG you'll be collecting shells or armour suits as well as weapons and items along the way and you're going to face off against some very scary looking enemies. Much like other Souls games before it, Mortal Shell from Cold Symmetry is punishing, but ultimately satisfying when you come out of battle. We start out in a dreamlike world, learn the ropes in the tutorial area where we're given a sword, and learn a few moves like a light attack, a heavy attack and a dodge, and one of the unique selling points of the game, the hardened mechanic. Instead of blocking or having a shield, we have the ability to harden, which has a cooldown of a few seconds. When an enemy is approaching they swing their sword at you, you can harden and the sword will bounce right off, leaving them prone for a counterattack. The game doesn't hold your hand at all and after the tutorial you're dropped into the world with only your sword and the ability to explore. The extent to which things aren't explained to you could be perceived to be a little bit frustrating to the point where even items you find dotted around the place aren't explained to you either. Only by consuming items multiple times do you become familiar enough to understand their true nature and what they do. It's easy to get lost in the world of Mortal Shell. The first shell in the game can easily be missed if you go in the wrong direction as there's no cues on screen to let you know. I would take it slow and be methodical and explore every nook and cranny of the game before you venture forward too much as you never know what you're going to miss. Talking of that first shell, when you start out and you reach the fork in the road, head left to pick up your first armour set. There's four shells in the game as far as I know. There may be some secret extra shells at the end that I don't know about yet. And our starter shell is a good all-round shell with basic stamina and resilience. It allows you to take a few hits which is going to happen often in the early portion of the game as you get to grips with the moves and the mechanics. Upon starting the game, you'll crawl through a tiny space, you're almost being born into this dark world. Everything is out to get you and at first even the smallest enemies are going to offer a challenge. However, after a few minutes you learn each enemy has their own pattern and it's a game of learning how enemies move and then biding your time before striking enemies down with your sword. The forest in front of you is crawling with enemies, traps and poisonous frogs, so make sure you're looking down when you're walking about the place. There are shrines dotted about which you can look into and they'll show you visions of the future, which often leads to clues as to where shells are located or where the bosses roam around the place. In the first main area you'll find a house on a hill. After disposing of a few weak enemies you can enter the broken down old house to find a strange hooded character with a beak and the poor thing is chained up. He's asking you to go out into the world and collect some glands and bring them back to him to restore some long-lost power. And it will also give you a very useful parry ability which is going to help you out in battle. When an enemy comes to strike you by pressing the parry button at the precise time, you'll stop them in their tracks and you'll be able to counter with a powerful attack as well as regain some health. Talking about health, you've got three bars at the bottom left-hand corner of the screen. The bar in the middle is your health bar, the bar at the bottom is your stamina meter, and the bar at the top is your resolve so the stamina will go up and down when you fight so if you get too many attacks in you're going to run out of stamina and be unable to strike health can be returned with well time parry move and counter attack but keep an eye on that resolve bar at the top you can replenish health through mushrooms and other consumables that you do find about the world Sister Janessa is a character you're going to want to get to know, by talking to her you're able to replenish health, buy new skills and upgrades as well as resetting all enemies in the game. There's a couple of currencies in the game too, namely tar and glimpses and slowly over multiple meetings you'll be able to transform your shell into a fighting machine. Battles in Mortal Shell do feel really really satisfying, there's a weight to the weapons and the attacks which you're definitely going to feel down to your bones. The way your character moves and strike enemies feels really good and when you lay waste to a bunch of enemies or a boss you're definitely going to feel like you've been through a battle. But be careful though when you're in a battle as if you get hit too much you'll be smashed right out of your shell. You can hop back in there pretty quickly but try and draw your enemies away from the static shell before attempting to do so. If you do get killed then you'll have the opportunity to find your shell in the place where you died and you'll get a nice health boost when you pick up your shell and you get all the items that you lost when you died. It's not all plain sailing though. I find myself entering a new area with a mini cutscene and the enemies are free to attack me and I can't defend myself. And then the game returns to the regular camera angle and I'm already at a disadvantage in a battle because I've been hit by something in a cutscene. So that can be a bit annoying and hopefully that one can be patched out. The variety in the battles too can get a little bit repetitive as I only have a sword. It would be nice to have a range attack to complement my close range weapons but perhaps that ability will come later on. The bigger enemies and the boss battles are impressive and genuinely terrifying. Early on in the game you'll face off against a kind of minotaur type creature which seems to be like half bear, half lion with two huge spikes for hands. The design of the world, its characters and bosses are beautiful and both disgusting at the same time. There's blood, sinew and tissue, snarling teeth and the glint of bear traps on the ground, making you feel really unsettled as you turn every corner. Enemies move in really unnatural ways as well, almost zombie-like, but these things are really fast. I've just found my second shell in the game and I'm looking forward to getting into more of the world. And I'm still exploring Fulgrim, so there's plenty more to see and discover and weapons and upgrades to find and master. I'm coming from a background where From Software games are missing from my video game history, and they feel like a gaping hole which I need to go back to and fill as a priority. Mortal Shell is pretty punishing for those not used to the genre but from a world building and action RPG point of view this is really well crafted, challenging and ultimately really really satisfying. I'm definitely looking forward to playing more and I recommend you pick this up today. So The game was developed by Cold Symmetry, it's published by Epic Games, originally released on the 18th of August 2020 and if you're interested you can pick it up via the Epic Games Store. And I've got to thank Cold Symmetry for very kindly providing a copy of the game for us to play. Well that's it for my first impressions on Mortal Shell, but next up I was really lucky to sit down with Dagmar from Like Charlie and we got to talk about Ghost on the Shore, a new narrative exploration game that's absolutely fantastic so let's go over to that interview now. Welcome back to This Week in Video Games and I'm here with Dagmar from Like Charlie and welcome Dagmar, how's it going?
1: um good uh well very good actually yeah so thank you for asking
0: first day of gamescom 2020 how's it all going for you so far
1: um it is different (laughs) than last year um we're still searching a little bit but um you know how to handle everything and the whole online thing um but we're enjoying it yeah
0: Normally during Gamescom, I imagine you go to the event and you go to the indie booth and things like that. How's, how's it been kind of meeting people virtually and kind of talking and promoting your game in the kind of virtual space?
1: Well, it's a little harder, but um, it's less informal somehow. Like, you, you know, when you're there, you just meet people every 10 minutes, every 15 minutes. <laughs> um, and you have to like organize it a little bit more now. But I think for the rest, it's, um, yeah, you just miss the whole atmosphere, you know, like you you get to meet people with a drink in your hands, and you're just chatting, getting to know each other, and now you have to, like, set up every single meeting that you, if you want
0: to talk to someone. We're here today to talk about Ghost on the Shore. Absolutely fantastic. I've played through the demo. Really? Um, uh, yeah, I, I really, really loved it. Um, Thank you. There was a particular spine-chilling moment, which I thought was, I was playing it, I was like, oh... Yeah, this is really nice. And then I heard, the, um, or Riley uh, heard, like a child's footsteps. And honestly, like the the hairs stood up on <laughs> on my arm, and I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> <laughs> Were you so scared? Th- it, I, I I wasn't sure what I wasn't sure what to feel. Um, right. It was, but it was it was really exciting. And uh, <laughs> for those who don't know, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about uh, Ghost on the Shore.
1: Um, so, um, I'm the narrative designer and a uh, writer and, um, I'm the founder of the company together with Kenny and he's the artist. So together we, you know, we're like the core team of, uh, like Charlie and the ideas come from us. Um, and with us, it's very, um, like Charlie makes games that are very story driven, um, and not just story, but also, um, emotional storytelling, like emotions are very important for us. So I'm very happy that you got some sort of emotion there with the girl. (laughs) Um, So so what we want to do is, um, I'll tell you the story first. So um, Ghost on the Shore is about a story of Riley. uh, And Riley escapes her old life by buying an old raggedy boat. And uh, she sails the high seas. She gets into a storm and uh, ends up on the Rogue Islands. In that storm, she starts hearing a voice. Uh, and at first she's not sure whether it's the wind or it's the you know is it human uh but it is a voice and um he's a ghost called josh and he's stuck inside her head and um she wants him out of course so she's gonna help him he doesn't know how so what she's gonna do is uh try and figure out who he is, what happened to him uh why he's still stuck on the rogue islands and if she can figure it out and help him Maybe he'll get out of her head. That's her first incentive. Uh, so together, as a team, um, almost like two detectives, uh, you know, two cops in a car, but then they're inside a head. Um, they uh, explore the islands and piece together his story. And um, I'm thinking about my words very carefully, <laughs> not to spoil anything. Um, yeah, I mean, they discover his story, but also like the story of the islands and all the people that used to live there and their stories because they, all of those stories are intertwined with his and um, they feed his story as well. Um, so it's, there's, there's a lot of layers. There's there's the backstory. There's a the story of Riley and the ghost in her head. There's a story of the Islanders. Um, so there's lots to discover and to piece together. And we do this um, through exploration uh, and a lot of dialogue. So we do a lot of walk and talk as well. Um, and, but you're having conversations with a voice inside your head. And as a player, you get to make choices in those dialogues. And the choices are... Uh, um, definite. So, um, it, I mean, you only get to choose one. It's, it's not like you have four responses and you have to go through all of them. You just get one ch- uh, chance. Like in a real conversation, if you say something stupid to somebody or you hurt somebody's feelings, you know, you're going to have to bear the consequences. That's mm-hmm. the same thing. Um, and thus you build a relationship with the ghost. Um, you get to steer it as a player. And I think like as, as a player, you also we would like that the player, that um, it's a very individual response, like, it doesn't always have to make sense, but some people sometimes you like somebody, sometimes you don't like somebody, and that, you, that the player gets to respond very um, instinctively, um, almost. Um, and so, we, as a player, d- you determine the relationship between Riley and the ghost, and that relationship determines the story branch. So there is... There will be four different endings. Mm. Um, yeah, four. We're so hesitant, two or four. We're not sure yet, but um, we'll see. Maybe I shouldn't say four. Then I'll say two. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, and there's loads of um, like hidden clues all around the area. That there's like rundown buildings. There's the the beautiful beach with the um, with the boats overturned. Uh, it's it's almost like I felt as I was playing the demo, it's almost like the environment itself is a character in the game offering up all of you, offering the player all of these kind of things. And so I was wondering, how does the environment sort of play its part in the game and sort of direct the narrative for the player?
1: Well, it's very important. I'm glad you said that because... um i mean kenny's world is that was in our previous game Marie's room with it was the same thing like he creates such a beautiful world that you feel very um relaxed and you like you want to be there and you feel safe there and our stories are um a bit more raw like you know the emotions that we talk about like ghost on the shore is about um you know, like wanting to be seen, wanting to be remembered, um, wanting to be loved, wanting feel, wanting to feel good enough to be loved, um, and what you'll do to get that. Um, whereas um, Marie's room was about hunger and shame. You know, like being ashamed of being hungry and and what you'll do to hide the thing you're ashamed of. So that's all very raw emotions, and I think if you if you if because the world Kenny creates, is so beautiful and so re- relaxing that you feel safe. You sort of like settle in and you, you know, like you don't brace yourself for a hard story or for raw emotions. Mm. And when you're so comfortable, then you open up to the characters around you and the message c- can get in because you, you, know, you let down your defenses. Uh, I mean, that that's our theory. Um, And yeah, in Ghost on the Shore itself, and also in Marie's room, the environment is very important because um, somehow, like in the past year, um, the rogue islands have become this its own person. And I think because there's, you know, there used to be people on the islands, but they've all gone. Um, The island contains many secrets and that's why it becomes this character. Like, you want to You know, you want to uh, poke it, and you want to know. Like, tell me what happened here. Mm. Um, And I think that's why it becomes so very prominent and so very uh, character-like.
0: And um, as well as um, as well as like the environment to sort of complement that, uh, I noticed that Riley she's kind of constantly sketching and drawing um, the environment. And I was wondering how how does that feature sort of play into the mechanics of the game.
1: Um, like in the game, like you want, what, what function it has within the game or, hmm. yeah. Um, well, I think it's, it, again, it goes two ways. It's, um, it's in a very simple, straightforward way. It's a form of, uh, you know, collectibles. You, you just, you know, you want to collect as many sketches as possible and a more, um, narrative uh, character sense you know the travel journal that you you, as a player carry with you um Mm. you decide what objects you're going to investigate which objects you're going to take with you uh which sketches you're going to make so a travel journal is going to look different for every player um and so that it becomes sort of like um you know like you really go on a trip and and you know you have your little notebook with you and you write down memories and you stick in flowers that you find or you know a wrapper from a candy whatever um that it sort of sort of starts to feel like that you know this is your own personal travel journal with your own experience of this game (coughs) sorry that (laughs) (coughs) That you, you create your own travel journal um, uh, with your very own experience. So it, it'll be different for every player.
0: Um, it's yeah. really good. And I was wondering, what was your kind of inspiration um, behind this game?
1: Um, it it was a dream. I had a dream um, in which I had died, And, um, but I was still, as a ghost, I was still roaming around the house that I had lived in and the people that I left behind, they were still there and they were grieving and I couldn't get to them. Uh, I couldn't reach them. They were right in front of me, in, in front of me, but they couldn't see me. They couldn't feel me. Um, and that gave me, uh, in that dream, a a sense of loneliness. I felt, felt very lonely and it was a, you know. And then even even more so as they started to uh, heal, you know, like like they were still mourning me, but they were getting over it somehow yeah. and starting to forget about me. And that made me feel so lonely. I woke up with that immense feeling that stuck with me for a couple of weeks after. Like, oh my God, you know, that happened to you, that you turn into a ghost and you're all by yourself and the people that you love so much, you can get to them, you can only see them and... Um, and then, um, you know, like after Marie's room, our first game, uh, it, you know, we we're like, okay, we're going to make another game. What are we going to talk about? What are we going to make? And then I saw this trailer to the film, Jamie Marks is dead. And the tagline to that trailer said, how far would you go to be remembered? And mm. I, that was so strong, That really, you know, that, uh, struck a chord with me and then i was reminded of that dream that i had and i put these two together and then came up with a story of love transcending death and uh, and that is what i you know what sold it to kenny because he was like oh yeah <laughs> uh, a love story in games um so that was a, that was a premise
0: that's awesome and uh, yeah it's like in the demo I think is about 20 minutes long or so oh. or it took, t- took me about 20 minutes to get through it and yeah that it's, it's really interesting how you you talk about sort of eliciting emotions from the player because I was I was happily kind of exploring and, uh, and just looking around a few sort of derelict houses I was on a beautiful beach and then yeah, Riley saw those or her I think it was she heard the, the child's laugh and there's there's something quite terrifying.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I was asking before, were you scared? Because um because we've had players who really like when we were we used to be at conferences, they would look at us and we're like, This is not a horror game, is it? And we're like, No, 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 no. Um so um, it, it is yeah, it, it the main character she uh, starts hearing and seeing things on the island um and I think that also like taps into the feeling of the island being a character because it's like the, the island speaks yeah. to you through those visions and those things that you hear um uh, there is a message there is something to be found out there is something that needs to be told and who's telling it yeah the relics the the, you know, the ruins. The because there's nobody left.
0: Um, well, it's it's it, you, you definitely got some emotion out of me. I was I was really surprised because <laughs> I, I I was I was having a very peaceful and relaxing time. And yeah, it's it's definitely a moment that um I'll that I'll remember. And uh, so that's a <laughs> So how and uh, when can players uh, try out the game if they if they want to try it out?
1: There will be something on Steam for sure and we'll be part of one of the festivals again, if, whether it's autumn or winter, I don't know yet. Um, and maybe we'll come up with some events uh, where we can have players. Because we love player feedback. We were in the, the Spring Festival and um, we really value that feedback always. Like When we started that, I mean, we've been working on it now for two years. And um, like the first year, we made a lot of uh, uh, prototypes and we tested it with uh, players. And with the feedback, we always, you know, went back to the table and, you know, redesigned some stuff that wasn't working yet or wasn't working the way we thought it would work. Um, So I think that's very important. And I think, yeah, fall, this fall maybe, yeah, we'll try to uh, uh, get the demo out there again.
0: Fantastic. And uh, so if, if players want to sort of find out more information uh, or follow, if you've got any social media or Discord or anything like that? Uh,
1: yes, we do. We have, um, we have a Discord. Um, we have our Twitter. Can we like link it somewhere? Or yeah, I'm,
0: I'll, I'll, I'll link it down in the description <laughs> and the show notes of the podcast so people right. can find it nice and easy.
1: Yeah, so we have a Twitter, we have a Discord, we have Instagram, and we also have, of course, our Steam page, um, and I think th- those are the main uh, resources, yeah.
0: Fantastic. Well, I've, I really, really enjoyed the demo, and I can't wait for the for the full game to come out. I um, But I wanted to move a little bit away from Ghost on the Shore and talk a bit about a little bit about Like Charlie. So um, I was wondering if you could um, tell us a bit more about the studio and kind of how, how you got started.
1: Um, yeah. So um, Kenny and I, we uh, the two of us, we made uh, Mary's Room, our first game. Um And we sort of made it as a, well, not sort of, we made it as a portfolio thing, you know, like after, you know, we released it on Steam. I think we were one of the last to do the the Steam Greenlight thing. Mm. And um, I think that gave us some traction. But um, we had a lot of downloads, so many that, you know, people noticed. And and we decided, okay, so uh, maybe we're not done making games together, you know. Maybe there's more stories that we need to tell together. And um, so that's what we decided to do. Let's make another game, and then you need to start a studio. And um, it was very hectic because we started sort of doing everything at the same time. You know, like a concept and and file for subsidy, and and get your company running, and find resources, and. Um, but I think like after the first crazy year things settled down. and um, uh, so now we're Kenny and I both working full time for a company and we have a very tight team. Uh, we have a programmer, a game designer, project manager, two people for sound. Cause that's something also that like Charlie values a lot aside mm. from emotional storytelling is, is sound design, um, and music. Um, so we put a lot of time and effort in that as well. Um, and, but all of those the rest of the crew are all freelancers uh, but uh we've all worked together on other projects before so we you know we're we're not just a bunch of freelancers working together like it's a real crew which i mm. value a lot personally like i don't know if i could do it without them um and what i like about our company as well is that everybody cares enough about all the branches like you know whether it's code or game design or style design well, everybody has always feedback for everybody. And, you know, that just makes it so much stronger because you listen to each other. And, and in the end, it's, it's you know, Kenny's makes the final decisions in art and I make the final decisions in writing. But we value each other's feedback input. Um, and sometimes, like, if Stephen, our game designer, has a crazy idea for a dialogue and I like it, yes, I'll put it in. Uh, something that I could never come up with. And that makes it so much richer also, I think.
0: And how do you and your team kind of um, go from concept idea through to, I guess, production? Um, do you do you do a lot of kind of um, idea sessions and prototyping or do, do you kind of start out with quite a strong idea and quite rigid and stick to that? What, what's your sort of process as a team?
1: Um, well, I think once we start... The core idea like the concept is um is 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 rigid like i mean this is what we want to do kenny likes it okay this is what we're going to do and we want to make an exploration game but Mm. then we sit around the table like in the beginning we had these uh long meetings with the whole team around it and we were all brainstorming about gameplay like how can we make this because we took the experience that we had. From Marie's room, like we we analyzed, you know, why did people like it so much? What worked, what didn't work, and how can we uh, use that experience and enhance it, broaden it, make it bigger, um, but still, um, you know, fed by by that experience. So we, we didn't want something completely different yet. Um, so we had a lot of game design meetings, like the whole team, and we had crazy ideas and. Um, yeah like I think half of it we're not doing anymore so you have to like first brainstorm, fantasize and then bring it all back to earth and materialize what you're actually going to use and even then you try as I said before like we really value our players feedback um, what works what doesn't work because you want to convey a certain emotion, you want to tell a story, you want your characters to be um, I want to say human, but it's um, real life, you know, like mm. um, they have to be real. And if that message isn't coming across, then we got to look at, you know, like that, the cable going from us to the player, like where where is the message coming through? What do we need to change? Uh, and that requires the whole team because sometimes it's just a bit of sound that can solve it. Sometimes it's just... Uh, you know, a bush or a tree that needs to be replaced, and sometimes it's just two more lines of dialogue to fix something, um, and and that is something that we continuously keep talking about with the whole team.
0: That's awesome. Um, how did you get into kind of narrative design in the video games industry in the first place?
1: Me personally. Yeah um by chance really by chance i thought i was going to be a screenwriter um and um i there was an opening uh, with a flemish um adventure game game for children and um i had no prior experience but they hired me anyway and um that's where i learned every everything and actually that's where i met everybody that's now still part of our crew as well um So I really learned everything on the job. Well, I learned everything for that game, you know, afterwards, um, um, you know, I had to learn a lot more and I'm still learning. Um, so yeah, that's about it. (laughs) So by accident, but then you very consciously make the decision to stay and to,
0: uh,
1: you know, like broaden your experience. And, um, and I've done a couple of games now. Um, but I want to focus more on like Charlie right now. So I think I've, I've gained some experience that I can use for my own company now. Um, and we're focusing on the future.
0: That's great. And if um, so if there's a, a listener out there who's into um, into creative writing or um, you know wants to sort of get into the same kind of thing that you do, what what kind of advice? Um, would you would you give for a kind of aspiring narrative designer?
1: Um, that's a very good question. I think first of all, um, if they haven't done all already, uh, just play a lot of games, figure out um, structure, um, um, how characters talk, uh, what's working for you, what you will, what you want, would want to change if you were creating that game. Um, understand how the whole of the game works i mean you don't have to know how to design gameplay or you don't have to know how to code but you have to understand what it needs to be to make a game and i think in the end i mean that's just my experience or or how i think about it but um just just make a game like find somebody you know find a code guy find a game designer students whatever uh, and just create something together um to see how it feels and to learn from it and then to have some portfolio work to, um, yeah, I think, yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah, that's,
0: uh, that's great. Um, it's, I, whenever I speak to people, I always ask them about, um, you know, sort of how to get into the industry from the different role, role kind of point of view. And it, The story's always different and it's uh I think it's it's really wonderful because I'm sure a lot of people out there kind of play games and they're like okay what's the sort of route into making games and I think um I know when I was sort of um looking for career advice I didn't really know the sort of full spectrum of kind of jobs out there and I I knew sort of the, the sort of broad area that where I wanted to go but there's There's so many kind of um, like you said, you know, create a portfolio, just just sort of get on and start making. I think a lot of people, um, a lot of people kind of do a lot of preparation, but don't actually dive into the process. And I think diving in is probably one of the most valuable um, things you can do because you find out along the way. I think I used to think, oh, you know, I have to be really, really good at something before I start. And that's not necessarily always the case. You can, you can, you know, you have to have a certain sort of base level of skills to get in there, but often it's, um, you know, having good relationships, good communication and that sort of ability to learn and that desire to sort of make things better.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I agree with that so much. Like, um, for so many reasons, like, um, and I think one of the biggest is when I compare it to screenwriting. You mean you can write a screenplay, what they call a close spec script, and then you know send it out and I'm like, look, I can write a movie. This is work. I can write a pilot. This is what that would look like. Um, but for games, that, that that just doesn't work like that. They want to see how you work, how you function within a team, mm-hmm. and are you as a writer? Yes, do you have amazing ideas? You can write amazing dialogue, but you also have to be able to work with the game designer and with the goat guy and the art guy, and if they say, uh, "It's too hard or it's not going to work," or we need to change this or that," and you're going to put up a fight because you want that dialogue in the game, you're not a good team player and you're not a good you know game developer. you need to you need to work in function of the end product. And if it's better for the game to change your dialogue, no matter how much you love that last line she said in that dialogue, if it's not working because of, you know, the scene or because of the code or whatever, you need to change it. And um, and you need to have a feel for that. And I think you, it, it all depends on your personality, but also your teamwork, uh, whether you're a team player or not. And if you're too much like, you know, like a chicken on her eggs, and like. <laughs> then go write a book or something, but that's not, because that's not how it works in game design. And I think that is, if you, if you just make something, uh, you one get that experience. And two, you can already show potential, um, you know, uh, companies that you want to work for. Like I am a team player. I can make a game and I can, you know, I can, I I can finish it because this is what we made. Um, Um, yeah so i totally agree with that uh, games are not to be are not to be on paper you know they're not made for paper <laughs> they're made to be played so you have to make something even no matter how simple it is you know like just make something that they can experience what you are capable of
0: mm. and um I, I, i'm sure you're super busy with um, everything yeah. with uh, ghost on the shore um, but do, do you get to play games in your spare time
1: I do, but not a lot. Um,
0: What's what, oh, what, what sort of on your playlist, <laughs> if you if you did like to sort of sit down um, and have a quiet moment I'd, with a game?
1: I actually don't know how to pronounce it. Mutazione? <laughs> mutazione? Uh, I don't know how to. mutazione. yeah. that one. It's a, And um, I still have a lot in my library. I mean, I have many more in my library, but that's the next one that I want to play. Uh, yeah. And the last one I played that I was really excited about was um, Return of the Obra Dinn. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For me, I, I, I love story. I love character building, mystery. It doesn't always have to be have all of those ingredients, but that's what, uh, what pulls me in. Like, I have to, I just have to know what happened. Uh, well,
0: it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I think anyone out there listening who hasn't played Return of the Obra Din, um, where have you been? And uh, you, should, uh, <laughs> you should definitely give it a go. Well,
1: absolutely.
0: Dagmar, I've, I've taken up loads of your time today. Thank you so Thank much you. for um, joining us on This Week in Video Games and talking about Ghost on the Shore and uh, all the kind of um, goings-on at Like Charlie as well. Really, really interesting stuff. And also your your kind of like personal journey into games development. Thank you so much for sharing that information. And, yeah, I really wish you all the best for the development in Ghost on the Shore. And, uh, yeah, if, if you can go out there and get hold of the demo, Give it a go because there's some spine-chilling moments in there which (laughs) will uh, sort of delight and surprise you. So, yeah, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Well that was me there talking to Dagmar from Like Charlie and thanks again Dagmar for taking the time out of your busy schedule to talk to us on This Week in Video Games. Really really good stuff with Ghost on the Shore, really really enjoyed it and I definitely recommend everyone go out there, try it now and a link to the demo and all the social media for Like Charlie and Ghost on the Shore is down in the description and the show notes. So go down there, download the demo for free, try it out and let me know what you think. Well next up let's go over to my first impressions of Ghost on the Shore. Ghost on the Shore is an exploration game from developers like Charlie which delves into emotion, relationships and death. You take on the role of Riley, a girl who finds herself alone on an island, or at least she thinks she's alone. Josh is a voice inside her head, a lost ghost looking to remember who he once was, and Riley is there to help Josh piece together the puzzle. Riley is stranded on an island full of contrast. There's broken-down old houses and schools with grass growing up the side, but there's this beautiful scenery there too with beaches and rolling hills as far as the eye can see. Ghost on the Shore is all about exploration and choices. As you get to know Josh, seemingly trapped inside Riley's head for an unknown reason, the player is offered choices that shape the narrative in front of you. The world is rendered in 3D from the first-person point of view so the exploration feels really real. There's keys to be found behind books, clues, and the sketches to be made of the scenery. As well as Riley and Josh, the island takes on the form of a character, so the information that you glean from the items and clues you find, as well as the ghosts trying to speak to you from a forgotten past frame the adventure really well, urging you forward and teasing you with the next steps. The islands are overgrown and it appears as if no one's been there for years. Buildings are crumbling and the grass and moss are growing up the side of the buildings. Each location has a secret tucked away in little nooks and crannies waiting to be discovered and it all adds up to driving the narrative. As you explore, you chat with Josh and get to know each other. Riley is presented with choices that ultimately shape the narrative direction of the game. And this is a multifaceted game with multiple endings, so the choices that you make are permanent. The game lulls you into a false sense of security One moment you're quietly walking through houses and exploring and then suddenly you hear a child's laugh and footsteps. This was a chilling moment where I wasn't sure what to expect next and I'm sure there's going to be plenty more moments like this in the game and I'm looking forward to finding out more about them. I'm keen to find out more about Josh too and what happened to the ghosts that appear to inhabit the island. Josh seems pleasant enough but the ghosts aren't too keen on Riley being on the island at all. As well as the encounter with the child, you encounter a woman on the steps. As you approach her, she simply says, no, you can't be here. So the island is definitely hiding something. As you continue to explore, you find a house on a beach with Josh stating a lady lost three girls. So clearly something out of the ordinary happened here on the island. And I definitely want to find out what happened to them and help Josh escape or at least rest in peace there are a few clues as to may of what happened on the island. So Will of the Wisps are mentioned a couple of times. One where you find a clue hidden inside a book, and another time where you see a small girl in a memory or a vision. And I checked out the Wikipedia entry for Will of the Wisps, and it reads as follows. So the Will o' the Wisp can be found in numerous folk tales around the United Kingdom, and is often a malicious character in the stories. In Welsh folklore, it's said that the light is fairy fire held in the hand of Puka, a small goblin-like fairy that mischievously leads lone travellers off the beaten path at night. As the traveller follows the puka through the marsh or the bog, the fire is extinguished, leaving them lost. The puka is said to be one of the fairy family. In Wales, the light predicts a funeral that will take place soon in that locality. So, really really interesting stuff and it sounds like the -the Will-o'-the-Wisps are really mischievous and I'm sure they've got something to do with the plot of the game so Ghosts on the Shore is an intriguing game it's exploring a few themes like relationships environmental storytelling emotional choices with consequences and branching narratives with multiple endings the audio design complements the game beautifully well for example the singing birds as you walk around the environment as well as the gentle music but when it gets tense the music beautifully brings up that emotion and this game definitely makes you feel something it's really really fantastic the demo that's available now is only about 20 minutes long but i enjoyed what i played and i'll be looking out for this one in the future for sure it's well put together and managed to elicit an emotional response from me and even thinking back to that moment with the child laughing now it sends chills down my spine so ghost on the shore is part of the gamescom 2020 indie showcase and the demo is available on steam right now so if you like narrative driven exploration games then i definitely recommend that you give this one a try and see what you think of it so the developer is like Charlie it's going to be available on Steam and you can wishlist it and try out the demo now and it's coming soon later in 2020. Well that's it for my first impressions of Ghost on the Shore. The next up let's have a look at the all platform charts. So at number 10 this week we've got Madden NFL 21, that's a new entry. Number 9 this week it's Ring Fit Adventure, at one place from last week's number 10. Number 8 this week it's EA Sports UFC 4, that's down 5 places from last week's number 3. Number 7 this week, holding steady it's FIFA 20. Number 6 this week it's Ghost of Tsushima, down from last week's number 5. Number 5 this week it's Minecraft, up one place from last week's number 6. Number 4 this week it's Grand Theft Auto 5, up 4 places from last week's number 8. At three this week, it's Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, up one place from last week's number four. And number two this week, is PGA Tour 2K21, that's holding steady there at number two. And still in at number one, it's Animal Crossing New Horizons. So Animal Crossing still continues to break records. And it's still number one after coming out originally in March, I believe. So doing really, really well for Nintendo. So congrats to the team for Animal Crossing and its continued success. Well, that's it for the charts this week. Let's have a look at what we've got coming out in the next few weeks first up on the 1st of September then we've got Ari and the Secret of the Seasons, that's PS4, Xbox One, Switch and PC. We've also got Crusader Kings 3, that's coming out on PC. We've got Hitman and Hitman 2 coming out on Stadia. And finally on the 1st we've got Iron Harvest coming out on PS4, Xbox One and PC. Then on the third of September we got WRC Nine that's PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Then on the fourth of September that's my birthday, so that's a good day. So we got Doraemon: Story of Seasons coming out on PS4. We've got Marvel Avengers that's on PS4, Xbox One, Stadia, and PC. We've got NBA 2K21 on PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. We've got Paradise Killer coming out on Switch and PC, and we've got Tony Hawk's Pro Skater One and Two coming out on the PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Then on the 8th of September, we got Kingdoms of Amalur, The Re-Reckoning. That's on PS4, Xbox One, and PC. We've got Star Renegades coming out on PC. And then on the 9th, we've got The Outer Worlds Peril on Gorgon DLC. That's PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Then on the 10th of September, we got Bounty Battle. That's PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. And then finally on the 10th, we got M.O. Astray coming out on Nintendo Switch finally on the 11th of september we got inertial drift coming out on ps4 xbox one switch and pc and out of that list i'm definitely going to be picking up marbles avengers in fact i've already got my pre-order in as i played the beta a couple of weekends ago yeah, i'm going to get that one on ps4 although i really am tempted by the pc port as i think they've fixed the performance issues there also tempted by tony hawk's pro skater one and two i remember playing that on the original playstation and absolutely fantastic game and a lot of nostalgic beats in that one Well that's it for this week's episode so if you want to get involved in the show do get in contact through patreon.com forward slash this week in video games or check out the latest on the website send in your questions your comments and your video game stories I'm always interested in hearing from you I'm also available on twitter facebook youtube and instagram so search this week in video games on your favorite platform and join in that conversation Well, thanks so much for listening, and for more This Week in Video Games content like this, subscribe on YouTube and share with a friend. To join our community, check out the Discord link in the description, and you can follow me on Twitter at TWIVG Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast or found it useful, liking and sharing it would really help me out. Otherwise, check out the other podcasts in the feed. Well, thanks again, and I'll see you in a few days.